Welcome to Transformational Pathways, a podcast created by Toastmasters District 46 in the greater New York area, where we share conversations from influencers within the Toastmasters community and people whose lives have positively transformed by walking down the Toastmasters path. Whether you're just getting started in your career, have had recent career changes, or you're navigating different languages, we're here to help you build confidence by discovering new tools, overcoming your fears to find your voice, and engaging in a thriving community. Enjoy today's episode. Hello! Welcome to another episode of Toastmasters District 46 Transformational Pathways Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Mason, and walking the pathway with me today is Robert Goodman. Robert is an experienced New York City real estate broker who spent years on Wall Street and now has spent years on Main Street throughout America. He's frequently quoted in professional magazines and newspapers as a real estate broker and is well known to many Toastmasters as a dancer. He has a passion for giving back and so is involved in multiple philanthropic associations, including the Special Olympics of New York City, SUNY College of Optometry, and the YMCA. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. I'm super excited to be with you today. We're excited to talk to us a little bit. You worked on Wall Street. Are you from New York? Have you been from this area your whole life? Believe it or not... I'm just a kid from the Bronx. Uh, where in and the Bronx? And I say the North Bronx. Oh. And I'm always amazed when I travel throughout America how people will turn around and say, excuse me, sir, are you from New England? And my first thought is, you've obviously never been to the Bronx. <laughs> there's a certain way in which we speak. There's a grittiness. There's an earthiness to it. And I'm amazed when I travel throughout the country, how many people I meet who are in executive positions who actually came from the boroughs, Bronx, Brooklyn, etc. Years of developing street smarts, mm. then get transitioned into business smarts. No matter where I've lived, I always consider myself a boy from the Bronx. I absolutely love that. And I think a lot of people that are listening to or watching this will truly appreciate. That is keeping it real. Where So you grew up in the Northern Bronx. I, by the way, lived there for, the while, uh, for a little while. I lived just south of Van Cortlandt Park. Whereabouts in the Northern Bronx did you live? Well, I lived in the Wakefield Needenwall section, not too far from Van Cortlandt Park. And I was that chubby little kid who was playing a lot of baseball at Van Cortlandt Park. <laughs> And then ultimately moved from the Bronx to Westchester County. Very natural migration for those of us who lived in the Bronx to move north the same way my friends at Toastmasters and others who grow up in Brooklyn and Queens, many of whom have moved out to Long Island over the years. Well, I've got to say this. District 46 doesn't just cover a large part of Manhattan and the Bronx, but it also covers Westchester County as well. And we like to make sure that Westchester doesn't get forgotten. Talk to me a little bit about what made you decide to move. And and, uh, tell me this, is Westchester really just part of New York, New York City, that is? Or do you all consider yourself something else? 
People who live in Westchester County look at themselves almost like the sixth borough. Ah, that's that strong like connection to New York City. We love the proximity. We hate paying the real estate taxes associated <laughs> with the privilege of that proximity. What I truly love about being in Westchester over and above getting to meet great people is the fact that there's a strong focus on community. Mm. And a lot of my values come from the community in which I've lived for so many years. Same way that at Toastmasters, we have an amazing community of people with multiple diverse backgrounds, etc. But we all seem to come together to help and support one another. That is so true. And we are going to talk about that a little bit later in this episode. And it's a consistent theme that has come throughout this podcast that goes as to the true power of Toastmasters, particularly as of the date of this recording, it's December 17th, 2021, which is an interesting phase of the COVID pandemic going on right now. And um, the, the relationship between the COVID pandemic and community is something we will talk about as this episode proceeds. But let's go back a little bit. You worked on Wall Street for a while. How did this boy from the Bronx end up working on Wall Street? Come on. The, Something had to happen. Got the same way that a lot of people end up on Wall Street. They decide to go to a New York-based college. I went to NYU. Mm-hmm. I was pre-med for two years at NYU. Worked in the emergency room at Mount Sinai. Oh. Had a couple of very difficult courses. Didn't do as well as I thought. And obviously the natural migration is you don't do well in pre-med. You immediately transfer over to finance and economics. Isn't that what everybody does? Maybe not. Well, I will confess, I went to law school and it was because my quantitative skills weren't strong enough for Wall Street and my science grades weren't good enough for medical school. So I have to embarrassedly admit, I can totally relate. Do you ever miss pre-med days? And, and how did you end up taking to Wall Street and finance? Some people call me Dr. Goodman. I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but people who certainly know of my educational pedigree will say, how are you doing today, Dr. Goodman? Having worked, or I should say, spent two years at Mount Sinai in the emergency room, I may be, maybe the only real estate broker in New York City who'd be in a position to help someone deliver a baby. Now, again, maybe that's a unique skill. I'm not sure how it comes into play for Toastmasters. But what I would say is I truly believe that things do happen for a reason. Yeah. And I did enjoy my years on Wall Street. And to a certain extent, my experience on Wall Street shaped the way I think and the way I communicate with my clients in the real estate world. There are very few real estate brokers I've met who actually have transitioned from a Wall Street pedigree to a real estate one. That by itself makes me unique and has me sounding different to clients out there. 
Well, it goes as to an important functional role that Toastmasters has in the world, which is around communication and understanding how to be flexible with regards to the types of communication that we engage in with people. So I'd actually like to step back a little bit before we get into your Toastmasters experience directly and ask you a little bit more, what do you mean about uh, that communication style transitioning from one phase of your career to the next? Because let's face it, the stereotype of Wall Street communications, fair enough, is not necessarily one that is tied to refinement. Uh, restraint, nice words. Real estate brokers, particularly higher-end ones, tend to present a very, very different image. And so I'd love to know in more detail what you mean by uh, bringing that sort of Wall Street sensibility into the communication that you engage with your clients um, in within the real estate world. No, I love that question, Scott. I'll, I'll share a story with a financial client that I had when I first started in the business. Someone mentioned to me, Bob, you're new to this real estate world, but you have a boldness and a courageousness with how you make recommendations Mm. to us. Real estate people at times can be very arrogant Mm -hmm. and yet There are those of us who like to consider ourselves very polished. But I came to appreciate in this particular instance how the client started to understand that they were looking for someone to truly advise them, give them direction, give them guidance, give them statistical information to validate the recommendation, but combine that also with a level of understanding that we are not order takers in the real estate world. Though I did learn through this situation early on in my career, the critical importance of listening, which we all know is so important to us as Toastmasters, or as valuable as it is to speak, probably more important to be a good listener. And I've tried to take that situation early on in my real estate career and keep that in mind. Be bold, be courageous, be respectful, but someone's looking for leadership. They're not looking for an order taker. There is so much good stuff in there. I almost don't even know where to begin, but I have a feeling we'll find our way back to all of it. Thank you for that very rich answer. It really does open the door right into the next question, which is tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Toastmasters. When when was it, by the way? Two days ago? You would think. Maybe <laughs> <I> three. <laughs> I have to tell you right from the get-go, People know me in Toastmasters. I love the organization. I love the spirit of the people who are involved. I think what I love most about Toastmasters is I recognize that we are all on a journey. Mm. And nobody really gets to the true end of the marathon unless one wants or thinks they can become the international chairperson. I've met people who have been involved in Toastmasters for a week, 
I've met people who were involved in Toastmasters for, for a week and 41 years. I am involved with Toastmasters since March of 2005. This coming March will be my 17th anniversary. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a long time, but it's really not. When I get to know and appreciate the journeys of people who have been involved in Toastmasters, mm -hmm far longer than I've been involved. And I'm still active with my local club, Scott. And I always think about the fact that we, and I in particular, can get better. Yeah. Now, one of the elements that people know about me exceptionally well in Toastmasters is that I am unbelievably competitive. And people laugh about it they know that I have been involved in many, many contests at the district level. And they know that I am a very humble winner. But my character, unfortunately, has to come out. Fortunately or unfortunately, has to come out <laughs> for those times when one loses. Everybody should have an opportunity to compete. Everybody should have a forum in order to challenge themselves. And that's what Toastmasters does, continues to challenge me and challenge my fellow friends within the organization. But let's talk a little bit about what got you involved in the first place. Did you just wake up one day and say, okay, I wasn't a Toastmaster. I've never been a Toastmaster my whole life. Let me just join this organization. Or did something lead you there? What's the story behind the story? I mean, 17 years mm -hmm. is, it doesn't, it, on the one hand, it's not that long. On the other hand, it is a long time. <laughs> what, what began this right. truly epic journey? I had multiple colleagues, not only in the real estate world, but in other industries that would, speak of giving presentations to large groups of people. And while I understand that I have no hesitancy in speaking, there was always that hesitancy as to, can I do it? Mm. Can I deliver mm -hmm. that impactful, powerful message mm -hmm. in front of a big group, whether it was in one of my civic groups or in a business forum? Yeah. And, of course, a couple of people would flick me on the side of the head and say, Bob, you've got to get to know a little bit more about Toastmasters. There happened to be a young lady in my company at the time who was an active member of Toastmasters. And it was very fortuitous that she happened to drag me to a meeting, was hesitant initially, drag me to that first meeting, saw what the Toastmasters environment was like. And if they were giving out Kool-Aid that day, I've been drinking that Kool-Aid on a consistent basis for all of these years. What was that lady's name, by the way? Her name was Alexandra Diaz. Wonderful lady. Was very active in Toastmasters for a number of years. I thank her to this day Aww. for having me introduced to introducing me to the organization. I really feel like the Toastmasters who take the time and effort to bring the passion that they feel for Toastmasters into another person's life and then help that person become so much more always deserve a special shout out. So thank you for giving a little tribute to her there. 
Though I do have to tell you, Scott, I have one issue with Postmasters that I've never been able to overcome. And I'm going to share it with everybody today. (laughs) Because we're keeping it real. We're keeping it real. People come on as guests to our traffic Toastmasters club, and they say, I want to improve my public speaking skills. Or people will reference the fact that they were, that their number one fear is public speaking. And I laugh to myself because we've all gone into Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, etc., and ordered coffee or tea. Yeah. Isn't that public speaking? Yeah. Uh, it's not I really that. true. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's not really the public speaking that mm-hmm. is the value of Toastmasters to me. It's the communication. What Toastmasters has done is to help me to crystallize my thinking, focus my comments, hopefully get rid of a lot of noise that goes on in my head and in others' head, and deliver a message, whether it's table topics, a formal speech evaluate, something that people will actually remember Mm. because the message was clear. To me, the organization is not about public speaking. It's about efficient and effective communication. That's where we are as an organization. I absolutely love that. You're right. Speaking is only a part of communication. It really is. I honestly have never heard anyone communicate this that way, but that is true. And really, when you think about the evaluations that people give, the more effective and seasoned evaluators in particular, it isn't just about the speaking. It may be about ancillary communication modalities like body language or or posture or owning the stage. The real intense and good evaluations come, though, when they're talking about the mindset or the feeling state or the stuff that's even deeper than that. And so uh, that is a really powerful point. Clubs that have speech tips of the week, maybe you should consider thinking about this as one of the speech tips for your clubs. Amazing. I want to step back a little bit to something that you said earlier, Bob, about the purposes of this communication that you've described. We've talked about it and we will talk about the importance of the full range of of excellent communication skills in business. And we're going to talk about that particularly with regards to your business history. But let's talk a little bit about something we haven't discussed on this podcast yet, which is in the philanthropic world. Do you feel like there is a connection between your Toastmasters involvement for so long and your ability to effectively engage on the behalf of these civic associations? Has it made a difference at all? And if so, what would you say to someone who might be thinking about wanting to get more involved in philanthropy or, or um, nonprofit work, volunteer work, and is also having Toastmasters somewhere in their mind? Mm-hmm. Scott, the connection between getting involved in civic activities and Toastmasters, to a large extent in my mind, is one and the same. They're totally connected for the following reason. We in Toastmasters have learned over the years it's not just important to be a quality speaker, but it's important to develop 
leadership skills. Mm-hmm. And as a leader in some of these philanthropic organizations, I've come to appreciate the number one objective of a true leader is the following. Motivate slash inspire the people who work with and for you. And that's what Toastmasters do. They inspire and motivate others to help them with their journeys that those people might not have been able to do if they relied strictly on their own capabilities. So we are the movers, we are the accelerators. And in the philanthropic world, we come to realize, and I've seen firsthand, what I get out of getting involved in organizations like Special Olympics, there are young as well as senior people who compete in different activities. They encourage one another while they're competing. They have a motto that says, let me be brave. If I can't win, let me be brave in the attempt. Mm -hmm. After the different races may be over, they're going over and hugging one another. Can you imagine real estate people getting together and congratulating one another that someone actually beat them out? on an important piece of business or any of it never happens. But in the philanthropic world, people realize there's something greater than themselves. And I see it. And I have to tell you, every single time I go to a Special Olympics event, the smile on my face gets wider and wider. Those people are challenged physically, mentally, They do their best. I get inspired by them. They do a hell of a lot more for me than I do for them in coaching them with these activities. And that's what happens in a lot of civic organizations. And Toastmasters has that same spirit. And it's what keeps me coming back over and over again. How, though, do you reconcile what I'm seeing as potentially different personality expressions on your part that may be contradicting, or at least to the outside observer, contradicting themselves from a values perspective, but that are embedded within Toastmasters itself. And that is the competitive nature that you have, which has made you successful on Wall Street and later successful in the real estate world with the camaraderie-based approach to community building that Toastmasters has. Even with the competition component within Toastmasters. How do you navigate that divide? And do you feel like Toastmasters itself, when it comes to developing us as leaders, helps in any way, or is it neutral? Or or what are your thoughts about this? I guess there's that wonderful phrase about water seeking its own level. As I've grown up in Toastmasters, I've gotten closer and closer to people who are exceptionally polished speakers, Mm -hmm. great communicators. They've embraced me to a certain extent. They've become my mentors, my colleagues out there. 
And because we are all challenging one another to get better, we realize there's really no limit to our ability to improve how we speak, how we listen, and how we can better support one another. I always remember people coming over to me and say, Bob, what do you have for us today? What's new that you're going to present at this contest? Because they always think, okay, Bob, you're a little bit different. So what are you going to show us? And win or lose, the notion was it was exciting to be part of that. And that's how we all get better. I think ultimately being around positive people, people who are going to challenge themselves and others, are the type of people I certainly want to continue to spend my time with at this stage of my life, certainly. Well, it's interesting Because Toastmasters is an educational organization at the end of the day, I've had conversations with folks in which they've asked how long the curriculum is. And one thing that I have attempted to communicate, but perhaps you have thoughts on that would be worth sharing, is that you can finish a given curriculum. And for those who are not Toastmasters who may be listening to or watching this, it's called a pathway. You may finish a pathway, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have reached any particular destination. It means that you finished that particular curriculum. But in a way, what I'm hearing, and that maybe I should consider when having this sort of conversation with people, if you're going to be a Toastmaster, it's like getting to be a student forever. Only at a much better rate, by the way, than a lot of the colleges that are out there these days. What do you, what do you think hearing all of that? I remember the year, Scott, that I achieved DTM, Distinguished Toastmaster status. We have a wonderful ceremony in person at the district conference. Yes. And people are so excited. And you get your little medal. I guess that's about as close as I'm going to get to my marathon medal for a while. (laughs) And then I remember meeting a woman at the conference who actually has five DTMs. And I scratched my head and said, Bob, you've achieved nothing. (laughs) I don't know if she replicated the program, (laughs) but I tend to think because of her commitment to go through the program again, it's almost a refinement. I find that the longer I'm in Toastmasters, I begin to tweak. I begin to massage Mm -hmm. certain things that I do. I never thought about body language. I always thought about what's the message coming out of my mouth. But now that we're all in this Zoom environment, Zoom-weary, Zoom-friendly environment, I come to realize how important body language is and Mm -hmm. is one looking down at their iPhone when someone else is on the screen speaking? Is someone engaged? Do they have, are they showing excitement? All of a sudden, the body language, which I put on the side, has now become an important component mm-hmm. of the delivery of my postmaster speeches. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that goes also as to a big issue, and we mentioned this briefly earlier in the show, the changes that the public health situation that all of us are in right now and brought into the world. 
Talk to me a little bit as a longtime Toastmaster about what it was like moving into a situation where all of the public live speaking skills that you'd worked for over a decade to develop suddenly may or may not have been as relevant overnight when literally mm. overnight, at least here in the New York City area, all of those, any sort of live meetings at all just ended in a snap. Yeah. I actually want to take a little bit of a twist on that question. Great. It's a great question. I never thought that I would find a positive result from having tested positive for COVID, which occurred toward the latter part of September. I'm a of very 21? 21. I'm a very conservative person. People mm -hmm. know me that way. Always on my guard. Love to work out. And not sure exactly where I got COVID, but I'm thinking it may have been in the gym, in the townhouse development in which I live, where there were numerous people not six feet or not less than six feet away from me. Yeah, yeah. And you could, and even though I'd had my mask on, but I'll bring up, I bring this up for a particular reason. In retrospect, and I don't wish anyone in my Toastmasters family should go through this, but to a certain extent, I'm almost, for lack of a better word, happy that I went through it for the following reasons. Over and above my doctor saying, Robert, the best booster you could have gotten was getting the COVID because you now have these antibodies. Mm -hmm. What came out of this positive COVID event was a couple of important life lessons for me. One is I realized in the course of 10 days how dramatic my mood shifts can wow. be. Hopeful expectation, depression, anger, frustration, etc. And I had to remind myself during these 10 days, light symptoms, not, how important it was to remain hopeful, to remind myself this will get better. Yeah. I came to realize in those 10 days, my situation was not permanent. It was temporary. It felt permanent while you're going through it, or yeah. while I was going through it. But I realized as part of life, what we go through, our ups and downs, it's a temporary situation. And it will get better. And times will change. And we will adapt. And maybe the most important lesson that I learned from going through the positive COVID event is to expect the unexpected. Don't be shocked. Well, I certainly won't be shocked as we continue to go through the different variants and how to adapt to that. We'll expect these things to occur and be ready for that challenge. Mm -hmm. Now, what the direct correlation is with mm -hmm. Toastmasters, we all I believe want to get back into our respective physical locations. 
we're all experimenting with different backgrounds when we have Zoom, but yeah. there's nothing that replaces yeah. the human connection and being able to give you that high five in person, to give you that bro hug, to give you that hearty handshake. Yeah. But we're not there yet. I'm not there yet, but the good news is we will get there. Yeah. The message that I keep telling my fellow colleagues is just consider the fact that our best days at Toastmasters are still ahead of us because we'll appreciate being together that much more. I won't be looking at our watches to say I have to get out in order to leave and make my Metro North train in the next two minutes. The train will wait. I'll take the next train. Wow. That was... That was amazing. Bob, I have to ask, are you feeling better? I feel terrific. Good. I have, I've tested negative numerous times. Good. I continue to work out every day. Good. The COVID event certainly put perspective as to what's been going on. Yeah. Uh, but I may not look better, but hopefully I feel as good as I did pre-COVID days. Let's hope so. You always look good, Robert. Don't get all modest about that. There you go. Come there on. You. There you go. Let's just ask briefly as we begin to move towards close. If you could tell anyone listening and watching, watching, what is the biggest benefit that being a Toastmaster for so long has brought to your business life? What would you say that that is? People are amazed, and I'm told this all the time, people are amazed when I make presentations to executive committees, to board of directors, how I am able to focus key executive summary points in a way in which my message, my recommendation, my findings are crystal clear Mm-hmm. to the audience. Let, I find that less is more. Mm-hmm. Less words, more impact. Mm-hmm. I go by the rule of three all the time. People know me for this. We've grown up with ABCs, one, two, threes, vanilla, chocolate, strawberries. We've now grown up with Kim, Chloe, and Courtney Kardashian. We have our threes. We have our threes out there. I guess so. There you go. But I find that because of my Toastmasters background, it's very easy for me to get my message out, not only clearly, with a minimum, if any, filler words. Nobody's keeping heads to no uh, um, grammarian count. But what people will always highlight is, Bob, thank you for being respectful of our time. We sometimes, and I sometimes, underestimate time. I will tell you, and not to put it in a negative slant, people will say, Bob, you know exactly how long one minute is. You don't have to look at your watch or your iPhone. And I tell them, that on September 11th, 2001, I left my office at the World Trade Center at 
8.53 and made it down to the base of the World Trade Center at 8.54. And I basically escaped with my life because of that one minute. So I am the person that if anybody at Toastmaster says we can't. What? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Are you saying that the office building you worked in on 9-11 was hit? Yes, my, I unfortunately on that day lost my partner and secretary. I bring up the story in order to highlight the fact that time is my most valuable asset. The time we spend with one another is our most important asset. And I value the time I spend with my Toastmasters colleagues, friends, family, etc. Uh, that may be the most dramatic, powerful, and hard-hitting illustration of a single point I have ever heard on a podcast. That is, wow. Suffice it to say, you're right. A minute is a long time. Now, on a lighter note... I have lost at the highest level of Toastmasters by speaking for one second longer than the permitted time. And those people in Toastmasters kid me about it all the time. But that one second may or may, may not have made the difference in winning. But the point is, it highlighted that time is a valuable part of what makes us quality Toastmasters. The time is something that I use as a guide. When I go to a business meeting, I will be there between two and three minutes ahead of time. You will never see me there two or three minutes after the designated time. If those of us value time, we're always on time. Which is why Toastmasters has timers at every single meeting, and in the best meetings, they are ruthless. Final questions of the day. Name one leader and one speaker you admire, and why? I always come back to... And I'm not sure I can't classify him as the true leader, but there's a gentleman by name of Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Mm. And again, not of my faith, but a person I grew up listening to who at a very early stage of my life would be on the radio all the time talking about the power of positive thinking. Yeah. And I always think about that because when all is said and done, going through the pandemic, going through our personal, family, business challenges, it's that mindset, it's the attitude that makes the difference for me. When I see people with that positive, yeah. hopeful mindset, I'm drawn to them. And Dr. Norman Vincent Peale was the person who got or planted the seeds in my mind 
for that. As a speaker, and the message loved him, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. I still keep his card in my wallet. <laughs> Never met Tony Robbins. I was going to ask, is he a pal of yours? Is, is he no. in the European I group? <laughs> no. no, and he's, he's bigger than me, enjoying life in either the Fiji Islands or Hawaii. But I used to think about Tony Robbins because he had this energy to him. Yes. Like you, Scott. He's got this energy to him. It permeates through his core. And that energy, that optimism, that expectation is communicated very quickly to people I know who have attended his seminars, his forums, etc. Tony Robbins could be or would be probably one of the greatest Toastmasters of all time. Totally. Because it's not just what comes out of our mouth, it's what comes, in my opinion, from the heart. And he's one of those people where his heart seems to come to the fore. So if I could combine Dr. Norman Vincent Peale and the power of Tony Robbins, who knows, maybe in 20 years, I can be the international leader for Toastmasters and inspire people around the world. Something to put on the to-do list at some point down the road, Scott. You know, you put it out in the universe, as Tony Robbins himself probably would say, and it just might happen. I can tell you this, you've inspired people today. And this episode, which will be evergreen, will inspire people for a long time. Thank you so much for bringing so much substance into every single word that you uttered. You actually Mm -hmm. modeled keeping it short, but maximizing the power. Mm -hmm. It's been great having you on the show. It's been an honor and a pleasure. I would just tell my fellow colleagues within Toastmasters and for those of us who have been on the journey and for those of us who are first starting the journey, simple phrase, step out meaning challenge yourself, step out, and find out. And what we're going to find out is there's a lot more to us than any of us thought. And I'm still on my journey, and I'm proud to be a member of the Toastmasters family. I think we just got the title of this episode, Step Out, Find Out. Robert, Again, it's been great having you on the show. Now, for those of you who are listening and watching, if you enjoyed today's episode, and how could you not have, make sure that you subscribe and leave a comment or a a positive review. Also, don't forget to follow District 46 on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, as well as YouTube. And if you're new to Toastmasters or interested in finding out more about us, go to our website at toastmasters46.org. That's Toastmasters46.org to learn more about us and to find a way to visit one of our clubs. Because Toastmasters is where leaders are made. Thank you so much for joining us on Transformational Pathways. If you enjoyed today's episode or got anything out of it, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're interested in learning more about Toastmasters District 46, check out the link in the show notes below. 